Hey listeners, quick question. Are you tired of overpaying for your mobile plan? I've got the answer. Ting Mobile. Ting Mobile is all about flexibility and savings. You only pay for what you use, no crazy fees or overages. It's perfect for those who want control over their phone bill without sacrificing quality. Say goodbye to bloated phone bills. Go to milwaukeemafia.com slash ting. Ting Mobile. Mobile that makes sense. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your weekly podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia. I'm Eric Waltigans. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And Gavin, take her away. All right. A little bit of a detour this week. We're going to do a, a Chicago story. Huh? Yeah. Well, we've done... it. I, does this story have no connection to Wisconsin? It does. Okay. It do, well, this week it will not. It'll help next week make more sense. Got it. So this is going to be the story of Joe Aiello, who was sort of the enemy of Al Capone. We already did the Jenna brothers. This is like the guy after the Jenna brothers. So there's two things I want to get out of the way right off the bat. One, I'm going to be saying his name, Aiello, and... Somebody might say that's not correct. The reason I'm going to say it that way is I did an event a couple of years ago in Franklin, Wisconsin, and I said the name one way. And somebody said, no, 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 it's not said that way. It's said this way. And then I started saying it the way that they told me. And somebody else was like, no, 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 no. It's not said <laughs> that way. I'm going to say Aiello. If somebody out there says, no, that's not how it is, you're welcome to correct me. But I think no matter what I say, someone's <laughs> going to correct me. So I'm just going to go with that. So just out of curiosity, the way you're saying it, is that the first person's way of saying it or the second person's way of saying it? It is the way that YouTube has told me to say it. <laughs> okay. I checked before we did this and I said, how do we say this name? And the YouTube's got a little, you know, pronunciation guide. I'm going off of that. And the other thing is normally these episodes are based off of my own research. They're either from my book or from other things that I've researched. This one is not. This is a, a modified from writings of Mario Gomez, who runs myalcaponemuseum.com, which is a great website to check out. But I just want to make that clear. I did no independent research for this episode. And not to say you should be blaming Mario Gomez, but I'm not going to be as confident as I usually am because I didn't do the double checking that I usually would do. I can't say everything is 100% accurate. I can't stand behind it. But it is an episode I wanted to get out of the way because it'll make the next episode make more sense. So kind of like the Jenna family, the Aiello family is a pretty big family. Uh, they come over from Sicily. Some of them settle in Utica, New York, and some of them settle in Chicago. There are many brothers, including Joe, Dominic, Andrew, Sam, Anthony, and Carlo. But lucky for us, we're only going to talk about Joe. So, okay, so we're not going to go through the whole family getting killed nope, off. Nope, <laughs> that doesn't happen this time. So okay. all those names, you can ignore them. We are only concerned with Joe. When they get to Chicago, the family goes into business opening a grocery importing company which again was kind of like what the Jennas did. They imported olive oil, cheese, and they imported something that turned out to be a really smart investment, although they probably didn't know it at the time, and that was sugar. They used the sugar to open a bakery and a confectionery, so they made bread and I don't know what you make at a confectionery, different candies. But guess what else sugar is really useful for? Alcohol. You're right. It's useful in alcohol. So when Prohibition comes around, when these guys are importing massive amounts of sugar, they suddenly find themselves in a very good position. All these people who want to be now making their own alcohol need sugar. And hey, who's got it? 
So they start off really getting into the booze business by supplying the sugar. They don't do so much of making it themselves, just supplying the sugar. And they supply to a few different people, but they are the primary suppliers of the Jenna brothers. So they kind of get to be known in the gang world as the suppliers of the Jennas. Well, as we know from the Jenna episode, within a few years, there aren't any left. To sell (laughs) sugar to. (laughs) Right. So Joe, he comes up with this idea, well, you know... Now that the head of the Sicilians are kind of not here anymore, maybe I should be the head of the Sicilians. (laughs) So he comes out now, whether or not he was really involved in the gangs before this, I don't know. But at this point, he's definitely, he's all in. He wants to be the guy. He was also friends with another man named Tony Lombardo. And Tony Lombardo was a very prominent member of the Sicilian Union. And the Sicilian Union on its face, was an organization to help newly arrived immigrants, giving them loans and things like that. And we've talked about similar organizations in Milwaukee and and whatever. And this was kind of a thing where, you, you know, you'd go and you'd be like, I need help getting a job. I need help buying a house. And these guys were supposed to help you out to do that. The problem is there's a lot of corruption that can happen, and it does. So the union starts off, apparently, in the beginning, it's okay. But it goes downhill. The first really prominent leader is a guy named Mike Merlot. And Mike Merlot is a good guy. Nobody's anything bad to say about him. He keeps the peace among the different groups in the neighborhood. He helps provide for people who need help. But unfortunately, Mike Merlot has cancer. So he ends up dying a little bit earlier than, you know, he probably should have because he's got cancer. He doesn't get killed. But after he goes, people figure out, you know, if we had Mike Merlot's job, we'd be sitting on all this money we can hand out to whoever we wanted. So it becomes the prime seat. And other people do try to get it. But strangely enough, the turnover rate is very high. Um, one guy who tries to get it is Samutz Amatuna, who he briefly came up in our Jenna episode. He was a Jenna gangster, but he wasn't even there long at all. Like, I don't even know if it was a month. <laughs> and he is shot to death in a barber's chair. So, oh, it's be- is this because other people are coming in and being like, well, I want that seat. So yep. they take them out to try and get the seat from them. Yeah. Okay. These people are uh, trying to take over the seat, not for good reasons. And eventually it gets to Tony Lombardo, who is Joe Aiello's friend. Well, turns out that Tony Lombardo has another friend, and that friend is Al Capone. And Al Capone decides that he is going to go through Lombardo to try to get his way with things. Now, Capone cannot be the guy who runs this because he is not Sicilian. And if you're not Sicilian, you can't run the Sicilian Union. That's just part of the deal. Mm -hmm. But he's like, well, if I'm friends with the guy who is, he can still help me out. He ends up backing this Lombardo guy. Lombardo and Aiello are now working together in an importing business, and allegedly they were started up with a loan from Capone. According to Mario Gomez, the loan is $100,000. I don't believe that. I think that number is grossly inflated. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know how many millions that would be today. So that seems a bit far-fetched. But either way, they start up this company. But soon, again, Aiello's like, it's not good enough having my friend in charge. I need to be the guy. So he starts fighting with his partner and eventually he kicks him out of the business partnership and he runs the business himself and he sets his sights on getting that chair of the Sicilian Union. He really wants this chair. So what does he do? He does what any good gang leader does. He kills Lombardo. Well, he tries. He tries. He tries. He he hires some guys to try to kill Lombardo and try to kill Capone because he knows Capone is influential and who's going to be, you know, sitting there. 
So he starts paying gunmen to set up what they called like nests above in an apartment above from where they're going to be. One was across from Lombardo's house. Another one was across from a cigar store that Capone hung out at. This didn't pay off, at least right away. There's a story that he paid a cook to put poison in soup to feed to them. Um, this did not work out. At one point, Aiello ends up in police custody just for a minor thing. He's in jail. And as the story goes, some Capone gangsters show up. They stand in front of the police station waving their guns around, (laughs) not really causing any trouble, but still like, what are you doing? So they get put in the jail on purpose. They try to get arrested to be put in jail. They're put in the jail cell near Aiello and they say, hey, uh, you know, we're we're Capone's guys and we know what you've been up to. Uh, We're not really too cool about that. And apparently this works, at least in the short term, because Joe says, okay, okay, just Give me a couple weeks. I'll sell off my businesses. I'll leave town. I've got a wife. I've got a kid. I mean, I get it. I see what you're telling me. I'll go. But he doesn't. He doesn't go. If this, I don't know if this really this conversation really happened, but if it did, it, he didn't follow through on it. Whenever he's done sitting in jail, he goes back home. But he does not leave the city. Does he stop trying to go after Capone in, what is it, Lombardo? Yeah, he does not. He does not. He does not. So, Aiello, he's doing all right. Even not running this thing. His businesses are very successful. His house is just gorgeous. He's got fancy oriental rugs. He's got fancy expensive paintings. He's got nice furniture. Dude's sitting pretty. He doesn't really need to be going out there. But apparently this is just how gangsters think. They always want to be bigger and bigger. He's like, well, what can I do? And he comes up with this plan that he's going to work with Bugs Moran. And Bugs Moran is another gang leader on the north side of Chicago. Bugs Moran, not Sicilian, not Italian, just another gang leader. If I remember right, Bugs Moran came up during the Jenna episode. Sure did. was in a car that killed one of the brothers, correct? Uh, Apparently, yes. Apparently, yes. Yeah. So they thought, well, you know, if we work together, we both don't like Capone. We'll work together. And, you know, when we're done, you can have the Italian part of town. You can have the north side of town. And we can both work together without this Capone guy messing things up. So it wasn't a bad idea. But, of course, you don't really want to go up against Capone. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking they didn't know that, realize that at the time, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they didn't. (laughs) Maybe they didn't. So they're like, well, okay, well, first... Before we get rid of Capone, we got to get rid of Lombardo because he's the guy sitting in the seat that we want, or at least the seat that Aiello wants. So while Lombardo is out walking around with his two bodyguards, they reach a crowded intersection and shots ring out. Lombardo is killed instantly. One of the bodyguards dies at the hospital. The third guy, the second bodyguard, he tries to run and he's arrested while running away. Some claim later that he was in on it, that he kind of set them up. There's no proof one way or the other on that. The killers at the time were thought to be members of the Bugs Moran gang. No idea who names these things to the newspapers. Like, you could really say it was anybody, but that's who they said it was. There was another theory that they were sent in from New York, but I don't know where that idea comes from. So really, bottom line is we have no idea who fired these shots. And the suggestions are pretty baseless. No evidence really to show. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we know that it was most likely a member of the Moran gang or the Yellow gang. Like, that's pretty likely. But to actually name names, the newspapers, the fact they even get away with that back then, like, you could not do that now. (laughs) You you couldn't be like, well, he wasn't arrested or charged with anything, but it was this guy who was killing people. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's a big no-no. You can't say that. But 
the papers used to be able to get away with a lot more. Now, the seat is empty. Lombardo's dead. So they're supposed to choose a new leader, and allegedly they're going to do this at a hotel in Cleveland. The Cleveland hotel meeting really did happen. That's true. Whether they were there for that reason, I don't know. Again, allegedly, what happens is Aiello is supposed to attend this meeting, but instead he has a better idea. He's like, no, I'm not going to attend this meeting. Instead, I'm going to stay home and tell the police about this meeting. And then everybody <laughs> there is going to get arrested, and I'll have to be the guy in charge because everybody else will be in jail. <laughs> Don't know if this is true, but that's the story. That doesn't work. That's not a good idea. Instead, a man named Patty Lolardo is chosen. Sorry, Ayello, you're still not the guy. This guy chosen, again, is another friend of Al Capone. So Capone is still sort of the power behind it, even though he can't be the guy. Sorry, Joe Ayello, you have failed again. <laughs> and of course, this feud is still going. Ayello wants this seat. Capone isn't very happy with this guy because he pretty much assumes that he killed the last guy on top of the fact that he apparently tried to kill Capone with these machine guns. So <laughs> they're not friends. They try to work a, a peaceful solution. And if you remember a while back, we did have a story where they ended up meeting at the Pewaukee house. Do you remember this story? Yep. 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 They ended up meeting in the Pewaukee house and they couldn't work out a deal you know, throwing fruits and vegetables at each other. <laughs> yes. There, I, I guess if there's a Milwaukee connection, that's it. That's that's your Milwaukee connection for the week. So, yeah, they try. There's talks. They really want to work it out, but uh, I guess it's just not meant to be. Well, eventually, Joe Yellow does leave town, at least for a little while. He's like, okay, the heat's too strong. I got to get out of here. Next major gang meeting is in Atlantic City. Now, if anyone's familiar with the television show Boardwalk Empire, that's a highly fictionalized version Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like that. Capone goes to Atlantic City and a bunch of other gangsters from throughout the country go to Atlantic City and they work out deals. And really, they're supposed to try to work out how things are going to be organized so that we can make more money working together than killing each other all the time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happens there. But even though Capone is going to this meeting and he's cool with this and he wants to work with other people, guess who's not cool with this? Joe Aiello. Yeah, he is not cool. So he's like, I'm not in on this. And Capone's like, okay, you're not working with us, so it's not cool. So now you're, you've tried to kill me. You've tried to kill my friend. Well, you succeeded in killing my friend, Tony Lombardo. You're not going along with our agreement that we made in Atlantic City. Like, we could have just let things slide, and you're not working with those rules. Guys were trying to start Capone's racetracks on fire. He had dog tracks, and he suspected that Aiello was the one who was burning his dog tracks. So that's not cool. Capone had a friend who was a news reporter who was writing favorable stories for him. This guy gets killed, and he's like, pretty sure you did that too, Joe. So, so <laughs> he could have walked, but instead now he's continuing to make up trouble. At this point, he's living on borrowed time. He left for a little while. But, of course, you know, inevitably, what does he do? He comes back to Chicago. They always come back. They shouldn't, but he does. You think, well, okay, I'm going to sleep in the attic of my house. They're not going to get me if I'm in the attic. There is some bad logic there. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Great. We're up to 1930. Again, kind of like the Jenna story. They're picking people off. Not his, you know, his brothers, but they're picking off other people. One of his bodyguards is shot and killed. One of his, uh, his hitmen is shot and killed. His numbers are winding down. And we finally get to October 23rd, 1930. I suppose you can already guess what happens. He dies. He dies. <laughs> 
So he's hanging out at an apartment with his buddy, uh, Patty Presto, and they're just trying to hide out. They're like, well, they won't find us in this apartment. But of course, they do find them in this apartment because it's like these guys have been following them around, tailing them for weeks or months at this point. And eventually, he has to leave. You can't stay in the apartment for her. I mean, I guess you could. You could get food delivered and things like that. But sooner or later, you're going to step out. And what does he do? He steps out. He gets fired at from a window overhanging the street. He runs around the corner. And, oh, they had expected that he would do that. So they had a second window <laughs> that they shoot out of. And they finally, they get him. And again, as according to Mario Gomez, I don't know if this is true, but by the time they finally get to the body, by the time like the authorities get to the body, he has between 40 and 50 bullets in his body. Wow. Yeah. Don't know if that's accurate, but definitely he was being shot at from multiple angles. So it's not impossible. It was a full on assault. It was a full on assault and it's machine guns. So, you know, a lot of bullets flying. So couple things with this. Sure. I'm going to ask you for a lot of speculation. So Great. You know, you, speculation you, I'm not qualified to answer, but go for it anyway. Well, the first thing is, is that it's very clear that there were a lot of people fighting over this union seat. Yes. Right? And in the end, Capone definitely won that seat out. Seems to have maintained control of that throughout yeah. At least this episode, right? Yes. Maybe it changes in the future. Well, we probably, if whatever happens after this, we probably won't talk about because it's real. That's really a Chicago thing more than anything. But Right. But with this seat, do you feel like this seat could have played a huge role in why Capone had as much success as he did by maintaining the control of this seat? Do you think that was an important thing to his success or do you think it was just a thing? That's a really good question. I couldn't say that it was like a major deciding factor. There were a number of things that Capone did that really made him the guy. Mm -hmm. One of them being, you know, meeting with the guys out east, like going to Atlantic City or talking to people in New York. He originally, he was the underdog because the guys out east were primarily Sicilian. Not all of them, but primarily. And so they originally kind of wanted the Sicilians in Chicago, Chicago. and other places. They wanted them in charge because they all had like these family connections or, or at least, you know, similar culture and things like that. But when they realized that Capone was eventually going to be the guy, they came, they, around they, came, they came around. So I don't know that the union seat was necessarily like a major factor, but it definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah. Because, and, and I mean, because he I, does have to get the Sicilian group in line. You can't be the head of like Italian organized crime when you've got the Sicilians who are like the major Italian group. Not on your side. So it definitely probably helped locally. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure that having that was a large amount of capital that yes. he had easy access to. Yes. And I'm sure he utilized that. And God only knows what that could have done for. Yeah. And, and I don't know. That's not something I'm super knowledgeable about. But it kind of got known. Like I said, originally the guy who ran Mike Merlo, like he was, as far as anybody knows, he was clean. He was very legitimate. But we know that some of the people after him, they started using the fund for paying like legal expenses for guys suspected of murder, which yes, you're helping out your fellow Sicilians. So I guess you're technically doing the job you're supposed to be doing, but that but, isn't really what the yeah. intent was. I think helping somebody buy a house is probably a little more important than helping somebody beat a murder rap. Right, right. So yeah, when they started getting these questionable guys in charge, it got a really bad reputation. And in fact, 
on top of all the other things, like there's all these things they use, like they would use the mafia and the black hand interchangeably, like we've talked about before. And then eventually they started saying like Sicilian Union and they would say like that as like a word for the mafia, which it's not. They're two distinct, different things. But just because it became a group of mostly Sicilians and very corrupt, they started kind of just using those interchangeably. So yeah, eventually, and it does still exist to this day, to be clear, but they changed their name at at one point because the original name got such bad press. They had to change the name and kind of start over. Yeah, just kind of get the mafia aspect out of it, yeah. more or less. So I won't even say what the new name is because I don't want to even imply that they're bad because they're not. But yeah, they they had to clean up the name because it was just that bad. Okay, and then the other thing I want to touch base a little more on is so this Joe, I, I just butchered his name. Eh, no worse than I do. So he came in. He was doing the sugar thing, which kind of got him into the gang thing because of the alcohol. Yeah. But somehow he managed to leverage that and take over the entire gang. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, do you have thoughts on, is this because at that point in time, the alcohol thing was so big that he just kind of shot right up the ranks of the Sicilian gang? Because it seems to me like he would have been a major outsider mm-hmm. coming in and so the Jennas get killed off. He comes in and takes over. It seems like he did that very quickly once he yeah. got here and started doing any sort of feedback on how that happened. How would he have achieved that? Because it seems like there would have been high-ranking yeah. officers in the Sicilian gang that would have had all this experience, all this power. Mm-hmm. And then some this guy walks in and I'm like, I'm the sugar guy and I'm going to take yeah, this Yeah, yeah. That, that does require a lot of speculation. I don't know. I don't have a great answer. The thing about Joe is I think he really deserves more research. Like this thing that Mario Gomez put together is really like, it's not even that long, but it's one of the longer things you find out there about them. Like he never had his own book. And I don't think that he necessarily deserves his his own book. He's not quite that big, but he's, he really is like a major force against Capone. And most histories, they give him, you know, two pages in a Capone book. And I think there's a lot more that could be researched about him, including that. My speculation is that he probably already had gang ties. I don't think that it's he's a legitimate businessman. He has sugar. It's prohibition. Now he's involved with selling sugar to the gangs. And he's like, well, the guys who are buying it off of me are gone. So I guess I'm now going to be the guy. I think he had more connections than that. Maybe we'll get into this more like next time. But like he had a pretty good connection to Milwaukee. The city in Sicily he's from is not Santa Flavia, but it is like the same. It was like the neighboring city. So he had a lot of the same roots that the Milwaukee guys had. And I think that would help. I think like once the Jennas are gone and they're like, well, who's going to be in charge in Chicago? Milwaukee, like not that Milwaukee is like this huge, like influential place, but it's the next closest place to Chicago. So I feel like they would have some say in that. And he would be like kind of their guy because they would already know him and that sort of thing. Again, like I said, that's all speculation. I have no idea. But I tend to think that he was already connected by the time he got to be like a gang leader. I don't think it was just like one day he's like, well, I'm going to do this. Just sort of like the situation presented itself. But it's a lot of it's speculation because all the Chicago research, is, it's all on Capone. Almost nobody has really looked into the Sicilian angle. 
And that's really kind of unfortunate because I think all these different gangs within the thing is like a huge part of that story. Mm-hmm. So if people are neglecting that, that's really a shame. Maybe you need to uh, start yeah. doing some Chicago work. Now. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, there's Capone is the one who ultimately wins, of course. But there's the Jennas. And then the Jennas become basically, I mean, it's not exactly perfect. They get taken over by the Aiello's. On the north side, you got Bugs Moran. And another part of Chicago, you got a guy named Joe Saltis. Uh, you got two different O'Donnell gangs, not even related to each other. Just two different Irish gangs who coincidentally are run by a guy named O'Donnell. So there are many of gangs. Like Chicago had a lot of different little neighborhoods with their own gangs. And is most of what's kind of talked about, written about with the Chicago Mafia, is that mostly all based around once Capone has full control of it? For well, the yeah, most part? yeah, because Capone is like, the guy, you know, like how history is written where the winner writes the history. Uh-huh. It's That's, like that. Yeah. It's like that. It's this always a story of Capone rising and taking out these guys along the way. Nobody's interested in the story of these other guys because they're freaking losers. Like we don't care about them. They're gonna they're gonna get removed. But I think, I, I think they're interesting. But that's not the way the story is told because yeah. their story ends in a, with them losing. Nobody cares about that. But is the story of him taking out all these other gangs? a big part of it or does the story not start until he's already taken the game oh no, no i mean they, they, it's covered people it's people have written about it yeah okay but they're all it, but they're always secondary characters because you already yeah. know they're gonna lose when you start reading, reading it, it. Yeah. yeah exactly and the other thing i find interesting about joe Aiello is i'm curious as this whole vendetta he had with getting this seat mm-hmm. was this just based on getting this seat or did he just have a vendetta against Capone in Lombardo? I don't know. It just seems like he pushed really hard to try and take down right. those two people. And was it just all about getting that seat or was it more? Right. Well, like I said, I didn't really do a lot of independent research for this one because it's kind of outside of what I do. You can get way bogged down in Chicago. Chicago's huge. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't give you a great answer to that. But I feel like there probably is an answer to that somewhere that somebody just hasn't really come up with yet. But I agree. I The point you're trying to make, I agree with. He was very serious about what he was trying to do. And I don't quite get why. <laughs> yeah. And I guess and that's what I did. He know something like this is the game changer. Having this seat will change yeah. everything. Or was it just like he started doing this thinking it was a good idea. He kept failing and failing, but just become came obsessed with the concept of yeah. getting this seat and refused to quit. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like, I want to be the leader of this, and it's like politics, and you lose. Like, you can either walk away, or you're like, well, screw it. I'm going to try again. I guess there could be that. But yeah, at the same time, that could be with, with Capone, where originally he's just like, oh, Capone, you stink. <laughs> but, but, but then later he realizes, like, Capone is really turning into something. If I want to be the biggest guy in Chicago... I got to get him out of the way. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I don't know. I can't pretend that I know what he was thinking. Definitely, he's going above and beyond because to me, I'm looking at this and I'm not a gangster, so I get, don't fully grasp it. But to me, I'm like, you've already got this successful business. You're making thousands, if not millions of dollars supplying other people with sugar, which is totally legal. You can't even get in trouble for giving people sugar. Mm-hmm. Dude, be happy with that. Like, why do you want to go out there and get shot at? And that's why it seems more like passion driven yeah. than financially driven. Yeah. You know, it's not about, but he could be the character that when he wants something, 
he's just not going to take no for an answer. And yeah. And it could be a huge part of the reason why he more or less got himself killed. Yeah. Just by chasing after a seat that, like you said, he didn't really need. Yeah, it's it's something about gangster or mobster mentality I don't understand. And it's the same thing. <laughs> Eventually, we will actually get to Frank Balistrieri, the main mob boss in Milwaukee. We will get there, I promise. <laughs> but the same thing. Like By the time that he was like a teenager, he was fine. He was okay. His parents were doing okay. He had the money through his family to go to law school. He owned two taverns by the time he was in his 20s. Guy did not need to rise up the ranks of the mob. He did not need to go out and try to get other people killed or sometimes succeed in getting other people killed. I don't, for the life of me, understand the motivation. Dude, you can legitimately make millions of dollars and not have to go to prison and get shot at. (laughs) Like, what is the motivation there? I don't get it. Somebody out there, maybe they know, but I don't understand why people who can do just fine legitimately want to do this. Yes, if we have a crime lord out there who wants to tell (laughs) us about the psyche of the crime getting into crime i truly find it baffling i don't get it so i'm sorry i totally cut do you got more to your story or not really um there's just his funeral and as we talked about like in the jenna episode the funerals are generally pretty big at this point it's he's not that big anymore uh he gets put in a coffin and again i don't know if these numbers are accurate but the coffin apparently is valued at eleven thousand eight hundred dollars which is not extreme, but it's still pretty yeah, pretty <laughs> out there. And the flowers are valued at fifteen thousand, which is still pretty extreme, but but much less than the, than the Jennas. But again, at this point, the priests aren't coming. They're like, no, we know who you are, and we're not going to let you turn this into a Catholic ceremony. So he ends up just having the undertaker show up say a few nice words about him, and that's it. Really, people steer clear of this. At this point, they figured out that going to a mob funeral... Is a good way to get killed. Is a good way to get killed, killed or, or, get or have the police take like, notes, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's about the end for him. His wife leaves town. This is still in the 1930s. She leaves town. She goes to New York. And she actually lives all the way until 1992. Wow. Yeah, so it's funny when you think about when we talk about the 20s and 30s, like that's forever ago. But the fact that somebody who lived this was still alive in the 90s, that to me is weird yeah. because, you know, we remember the 90s. Yeah. Maybe some people listening are like, well, I wasn't born yet, but, but we remember the 90s. So it's like some of this is still very much alive. And I'm curious, so now Joe Ilo dies. Mm-hmm. Is that at the point where the Sicilians join Capone or is there another person to the or do you not know i would say that it's probably about the point where they join him there's no major person after that maybe there's somebody but there's that no major up, per- like yeah maybe just steps up enough to say yeah we're gonna go it's pretty much the jennas and i yellow and after that yeah i mean there's not there's still a little bit of gang warfare here and there but pretty much by the 30s it's solidified all right. Well, I think that wraps this episode up. You want to hit them with some contact info? Sure. If you want to find us, uh, there's MilwaukeeMafia.com. There's email, which is MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com. On Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash MilwaukeeMafia. And uh, we'll be back next week with a story that is actually about Milwaukee and ties into what you heard this time. So you'll understand why I had to get this out of the way before we went back to Milwaukee. And as always, give us a rating on your favorite podcast player, please. 
And send us emails. Lots of emails. Please send us emails. I'm yes. surprised how few emails I get. I get some, and I appreciate them. But even if they're emails, if they're nasty, if you if you don't like us, we can be better. We just we need the feedback. So yes. So good or bad, we think we're doing a good job. So if you don't, you should probably. Tell I don't. Us. I don't think we're doing a good job. Eric thinks we're doing a good job, <laughs> but but we're but one of us is wrong. So let us know. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next week for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.